We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Something big might happen down in Texas right along the Gulf Coast sometime this winter, February or March. That gigantic starship. May you fly as its first orbital flight. Mike Wall joins us from space.com. And, uh, Mike, always good to visit with you. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, yep. I'm, yeah, it's always good to talk to you, too. Yeah, l- l- let's talk about Starship. It, it sounds like we're closing in on something happening. We, we've been waiting for a long time. There was a thought it may happen in 2022. It didn't. Uh, there were a lot of delays. They were waiting for permitting from the government. Uh, that's been cleared up. Now they're taking their time getting ready for this first orbital flight. Let's talk about this machine, because if it does fly, it would be the largest rocket ever to fly. Yeah, and and like not just largest, but the most powerful like by, by far. It's, it's designed to have a lot more thrust than like the Saturn V that launched the Apollo moon missions or that, or, or the new NASA space launch system rocket, which we saw launch Artemis one, the moon mission this past fall. Um, yeah, this is like, this is what SpaceX has been building toward for years now, this giant starship 
that they they envision kind of taking astronauts to the moon and to Mars and doing all sorts of other things. You know, they're they're eventually re- they're they're planning to eventually shift all of their activity over just to, to Starship. You know, it's it's pivotal to their plans to actually build out their, their like their big internet constellation Starlink, which they're shifting to like a bigger version of the Starlink satellite. And to launch big batches of them, they're going to need this huge, powerful Starship Mars rocket to do that. So yeah, this is this is a huge part of their of their short term plans and their long term plans, especially. And as much as, and we have talked about this a lot over the years, Mike, as much as SpaceX and their move to reusability, uh, the Dragon capsule, the Falcon Nine first stage, they've been able to launch reland reuse relatively quickly these first stages have driven the cost down but this would be the next stage this is a fully reusable system everything could be reused yeah and that's that's a big difference you know people it, it is really impressive that on on like a spacex satellite launch you know they they like routinely bring back the the like first stage of the falcon 9 rocket or the falcon heavy which is about to fly again um that's that's where most of the cost in a rocket is, is in the first stage. That's with the most engines. It does the most work getting to orbit. But yeah, I mean, still on, on like Falcon 9 launch on, on, yeah, on those launches, Falcon 9, Falcon Heavy, you still lose the upper stage of the, of the rocket. It just falls back to earth and burns up. Um, so yeah. And, and this will be a hundred percent reusable starship. It's got like a giant first stage booster and then like a, like 165 foot tall spacecraft that sits on top of that. Both of them are designed to come back to earth and land. Um, and, and it's not just that they're both going to land. It's like the, the like detail of how, yeah, how SpaceX wants to do it with the super heavy booster. Anyway, the, the giant first stage booster, Elon Musk has said that he wants that thing to come back and land on the launch tower on, on the launch pad to be prepped for, for like nearly immediate liftoffs again. So it's like they're incredibly ambitious in all phases of this thing. Yeah, and what's unique about this, There's there's been this move, I, I think, of the space shuttle and what went into those uh, heat shield tiles and some of those things. Uh, for the most part, Starship, the, the super heavy booster, if you will, with the 33 engines, and then the upper stage, which would actually go into space, Starship, and uh, eventually go to the moon and, and beyond that, uh, Mars and around the solar system, is, is that the, these machines, the skin is generally stainless steel. I know there will be heat shield components, but th- this is a stainless steel machine. Yeah, it's 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 very different. It's that's that's part of the reason why it's been it's. It's taken them a while to kind of get up and running. You know, it's been almost two years since we last saw a Starship test flight. It was in May 2021, and that was with just like that was with the kind of scaled down prototype. Only they only had three engines, only went about like six and a half miles up. But yeah, part of the reason it's taken so long is because because there are permitting issues in South Texas where they do all the stuff. But also part of it's just it's an entirely new kind of it's a new system it's all this technological development they're actually using different engines so they've developed a a more powerful engine raptor which um just for for starship and it's it's much burlier than the than than like the merlin engine that that goes on the falcon 9 and the falcon heavy so there are all these things that they've been doing in parallel and yeah i mean they they experimented when, when they first announced starship they were thinking of doing it with like a carbon composite but they quickly decided that was going to be too expensive. So just go to stainless steel because it's pretty cheap and it's still a good material. 
And yeah, it's, it's really interesting to follow this stuff because we've seen the development and ramp up of an entirely new spaceflight system just over the past like four or five years. And we've seen it all in real time. We've seen them make decisions and then decide against them. And so they do testing and actually this is the better way. And yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it seems messy, but that's because it's all out in the open, whereas we aren't used to seeing all these decisions being made out in the open like this. Yeah, and I, re- reading about the stainless steel and the decision and and different uh, formulas for the stainless steel, if you will, you, you brought up the fact that it's relatively cheap and it's super tough. I mean, that, that was another thing that, you know, we all know about steel and automobiles and bridges and buildings and, you know, a lot of things around us. Steel is super tough. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it, it works really well as, as, as like, an aerospace material. I think people, when you work in a field like aerospace, I mean, I think I'm, I'm not an engineer, but I think there's, like, probably a tendency to be seduced by the high tech and the, new, the brand new thing. Um, and so it's tempting to be like, well, let's make it of carbon fiber composite because that's a cool new thing and it's super light and it's advanced. And it's like, well, actually, you know, it makes more sense from an engineering point of view and an economic point of view if we just stick with boring old steel. And so, yeah, th- those are trades that people make. And sometimes it's pretty seductive to go with the sexy new thing, but that's not always what works with us. Yeah. I mean, you look at the airliners that we all fly on, that's pretty much good old aluminum uh, for the (laughs) most part and if you've ever been through any turbulence uh it is super tough uh so uh hard to hard to beat the metals in certain applications Uh, starship though and we have touched on this in the past if there's going to be a base built on the moon for instance or humans are going to explore mars and that that's a big goal of elon musk uh and and a lot of people would would love to to set foot on Mars. You're going to need to be able to bring a lot of stuff to do it. To build the base on the moon, you're going to need to bring stuff. To go to Mars, you're going to need to bring a lot of stuff. And that's why this huge heavy lift capability and and the ability to do it cheaply and frequently is, is so important. Yeah, and um, that's the thing. And go, yeah, getting. Getting like a base on the on the moon built up is going to be really hard, but especially getting one built up on Mars is going to be incredibly difficult. And so that's that's something Elon Musk has stressed from the from the outset when he first announced the system, which was at first called the uh, yeah called like the the BFR back when he proposed it in like 2016 or 2017. Mike Wall joins us from space.com. Uh, we talked a lot about that impending launch of. Starship, we'll see. Uh, before we move on, real quickly, what do you expect? Maybe February or March? I, it, it sounds like it could happen in the next couple of months. Yeah, that's. it's hard to know. You know, they've said many times that, well, well not they, they, yeah, they being Elon Musk, he's tweeted multiple times over the past year or so that he thinks the launch is right around the corner, and you just never really know. But he, he, he tweeted recently that, it's possible that like late February could happen, but but March is very realistic or very likely, something to that effect. So yeah, that's the sort of time frame that we're looking at. And I mean, it seems like it is that might like actually be be right because they've already done a lot of engine tests. They're sort of they've stacked the giant vehicle. You know, they put the the upper stage spacecraft on top of the of the lower stage, the first stage booster. 
just last week, and um, they've got to do one more big engine test with that booster, light up all 33 of its engines, and then it seems like that's the big hurdle, the, the one big hurdle left. But yeah, so that seems kind of like late, yeah, yeah, I mean, late February or, or like March is probably what we're looking at. Yeah, quite a show expected. And along the way, Elon Musk, when it comes to Starship, has lowered expectations because it is extraordinary how quickly this has been developed, this super huge rocket with these new engines burning methane, 33 of these working together, and then ultimately this ship, this huge ship going into orbit and uh, returning through the atmosphere, the the starship itself somewhere near Hawaii, uh, the, the booster itself super heavy out in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh you know, he, he's saying, yeah, some things could go wrong. We'll learn from it, and we'll, we'll try again next time. So uh, things could go wrong. Yeah, and this, this is a test flight. So, you know, it's the first time that this thing will ever try to go orbital, and there's a really good chance that something is going to go wrong, you know, especially considering these are new engines, you know, trying to fire 33 of them at, at the same time for the right duration. Like it's just like, it's an incredibly ambitious, complicated vehicle. Um, so for everything to go perfectly right on the first try, and, and yeah, people shouldn't expect that necessarily. I mean, they, they've come to expect that from SpaceX just because they're so reliable with the Falcon 9 and the Falcon Heavy. But this is a brand new vehicle, so it would be pretty surprising, actually, if everything worked perfectly as it was supposed to on the first flight. All right, uh, to the here and now, a big launch is scheduled later today. This is uh, uh, for the United States military. Uh, Falcon Heavy will fly again. It's, it's basically three uh, Falcon 9 strapped together, and that, that that's scheduled to go here in a little over two hours, the way it looks. Yeah, or, they actually, what, hour and 30 minutes? Yeah, I was just looking at during, yeah, the, like during the break space, I was just looking at Twitter and that they've actually pushed it to tomorrow. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, but it's, we, we've, it's, it's a launch for the Space Force. And so we don't get a lot of advance notice about the planning. I mean, they had said they were aiming for today up until just an hour or so ago when they tweeted out that it's pushed to tomorrow. But yeah, this will be, this will be the fifth flight of the Falcon Heavy. And we just had one this past November. So, yeah, I mean, maybe we're we're slated to see a few more of these these giant rockets go up over, over the coming months too. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and this, this is probably one of the more spectacular things. It doesn't get old when a Falcon 9 launches and they're able to bring it back down in a barge out in the Atlantic, or in, in the case of a rare West Coast launch uh, out in the Pacific. But when they launch this Falcon Heavy, that they're able to land the the two side boosters, if you will, simultaneously uh, back at the Cape. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that that never gets old. I mean, even seeing like a Falcon Nine come down, just a single stage, like we've gotten kind of uh, kind of blasé about that. And we and we or or when they land on the on the drone ship at sea, like three hundred miles off the coast, that's like. Still, it's kind of ho hum now because they've done it so much. But we, we like, really should take, just kind of take a step back whenever we see that and be like, "Wow, that is really cool!" And to see two of them come back, as we're going to see on the next Falcon Heavy launch, and land kind of simultaneously right next to each other on on their landing pads at Cape Canaveral, it's it it, it is spectacular. It's just an amazing feat of, of yeah, like of engineering that we that that we shouldn't get very inured to. We shouldn't be blasé about it. 
Mike Wald joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. He writes for Space.com and has been good enough to join us over the years to talk space. Uh, One story that deserves attention, and that is astronauts on the International Space Station, their Soyuz capsule is damaged, and there's continuing talk of what they're going to do. It sounds like the Russians may launch another capsule, so they have a live craft and a way home, if you will. But SpaceX and the Dragon capsule was brought into this conversation. What's the latest there, Mike? Uh, I know there is safe on board ISS, but nevertheless, uh, it appears that their capsule, their ride home, the Soyuz capsule, w- was damaged by a coolant leak. Yeah, and they've recently determined. I mean, this is it's it's a it's it's a Russian it's a Russian spacecraft, so it's 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 been it's like it's been the Russians who have been in charge of the investigation and all that stuff, and they they've determined that. It was probably like a, there's a piece of debris, like a piece of space junk or like a micrometeor that hit the, the Soyuz spacecraft that's docked to the space station right now and, and hit it in the spot, actually rupturing its coolant line, and it lost all of its coolant. And so it's like they, they subsequently determined that it's not safe to have astronauts in that thing for the way back to Earth. Just if it can't cool itself, you know, it could get to get dangerously hot for the astronauts in there. And there, there were three astronauts that came up on that thing just a few months ago. And actually one of them was a NASA astronaut and there were two cosmonauts. So the decision has been made to, to kind of fast track the like next Soyuz launch. It was supposed to launch in March. Now they're going to try to speed it up by a few weeks and, and like launch it in February. And um, yeah, it's not, it's not a huge deal like to have like a new Soyuz come up a little sooner. The only issue is if, um, if something goes wrong in the space station, that, that Soyuz that brought those astronauts up is, is their life raft to come home in case of emergency, right? So it can't do that job. So if there's an emergency on the station between now and when that next the next Soyuz comes up, then that's a little scary. And that's where, like, the Dragon comes in. There's a SpaceX Dragon attached that brought up some astronauts on a different mission. That's where that can maybe be pressed into service as an emergency life raft. It's it's still kind of in flux, but um, they've got a kind of a, a like a baseline plan kind of hammered out now. Yeah, certainly a scary moment. And then finally, in our limited time, uh, Boeing, they got that other NASA contract to deliver astronauts to and from the International Space Station, and, and they certainly had their problems with their Starliner capsule. Uh, I would assume 2023 is a big year for Boeing and Starliner. Yeah, they're they're supposed to actually launch astronauts to the space station for the first time in just a few months. Like I think April is the current target date for their crew test flight with astronauts on Starliner. They they've had some well documented troubles with Starliner. Its first its first uncrewed test flight to the the space station, it it didn't make it up there. It suffered a bunch of glitches on the way up and it got stranded and had to come back down. They they have since reflown that that test flight without astronauts and it succeeded. And um, so now they're kind of gearing up to put astronauts on it. And, yeah, it's currently targeted for this, this coming April. And that, that'll be a big deal, you know. I mean, it's, it's not as fast as SpaceX. SpaceX is already, like, fully up and running with astronaut flights, and they, they got their contracts at the same time. And SpaceX has already flown five contracted crew missions for NASA. Uh, it's gearing up for the sixth one. But it'll still be a big deal when, when Boeing gets up and running because it's like good to have kind of multiple options. So in case something happens, you know, you've got another vehicle to take over the, that, that slack. And just to like be able to take more people up and more science experiments up and all, all that stuff is going to be good for, for, yeah, for NASA and for the space station.
Yeah, and there, there will be demand. I, I would assume more space stations are going to come online, uh, considering that uh, you, you can see the end for, for the current configuration of the International Space Station, and who knows how the cooperation will work going forward, but you, you would expect there to be more orbiting platforms. The, the Chinese have an orbiting platform already, and uh, I, I, I would assume private enterprise wants to get in on the party. Yeah, and there there are actually multiple private space stations in the works. You know, the 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 International Space Station is probably gonna is probably gonna be done by 2030 at at like the end of 2030. So so NASA is trying to encourage private space stations to be online by then. So there's like a seamless transition, and they'll have a continuous presence in low Earth orbit with people to continue all this research that they need to do to gear up to send people to the moon and to Mars. And so they've they've given out various grants to, to to several different private teams that are developing private space stations, and yeah, they're just hoping that at least one of those, you know, there's like four or five that are sort of in the works, that that, that at least one of them is up and running by like the late 2020s, so there can be a kind of seamless transition. Well, Mike, always good to visit with you. I certainly enjoy your work at space.com, and uh, have a great weekend. I know it's a little bit late, but happy New Year. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The- it's always good talking to you, too. Happy New Year to you, too. And um, I'll be rooting for the Niners today, and I'm sure you'll be rooting for, for the Vikings, right? So Yeah, that's right. Uh, Giants, Vikings tomorrow, and the Niners, Seahawks uh, coming up. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Yep. Yeah, sure thing. Talk to you later. All right, there he is, Mike Walls, senior writer with Space.com, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. We'll have an update on the weather in a moment. Then Vikings, speaking of Vikings, Giants, Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune, minutes away here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Wild card weekend underway in the NFL. Uh, The Vikings, the Giants, the playoff opener. Uh, tomorrow at U.S. Bank Stadium, and uh, there's there's a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of optimism, certainly some pessimism if you're a longtime Viking fan, but uh, nevertheless, Vikes-Giants tomorrow. Here we go. The playoffs are here, and to help us sort it all out, Andrew Kramer joins us from the Star Tribune on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Andrew, uh, certainly do appreciate your time this season, and uh, here we go. The playoffs are here they are this is what it's all for and um as we've heard many players from adam Thielen to harrison smith talk about this is what uh you have to seize uh take advantage of it's really hard to get to this spot this is their first division title their first home playoff game since 2017 today it's five years to the day of that minneapolis miracle um, it's these things don't come around very often, and no matter how good of a coach or organization you have, um, the ball doesn't always bounce your way as much as it has for the Vikings this season. And you got to start by by winning these games. Uh, a one and done would certainly be a disappointment, even though it was such a, a great season for them. Yeah, great season, great season in close ball games, just extraordinary. An NFL record in one score games that they just found a way all year and Andrew you, you've covered them from the start of training camp to this point it is one for the books in that regard I've been watching Viking football a long long time and it, it, it's just been such an unusual season that in in their four defeats they deserve to lose those football games but in in those victories as well along the way 
there, there's for sure a couple I think of that they probably deserve to lose, and they still found a way to win the game. Yeah, they're a very odd team. Um, just statistically, how they stack up uh, over uh, not just Vikings history, but really NFL history in terms of having a negative point differential, being outscored overall, uh, and being thirteen and four. I don't think there's ever been a thirteen win team that's been outscored. Uh, in an NFL season before. And that goes to what you're saying, that when things go wrong for them, they really go wrong. Um, but somehow they've managed to, even in games they deserve to lose, they've managed to make those critical plays. Even maybe the last time they faced the Giants on Christmas Eve, they snuck out of that with a 61-yard field goal um, yeah. just a week after having the greatest comeback in NFL history against the Colts. Um, this is going to be a really good game on Sunday, I think, in part because they're very two evenly matched teams, uh, as we saw last month. Yeah, for sure. And the odds makers, def- you know, generally the home team's going to get a field goal, and that's where the odds stand right now. The Vikes favored by three in that game. So, you know, even from an odds maker's perspective, it, it is straight up. Speaking of Greg Joseph, you just did a piece on Greg Joseph, and in a tight game in the playoffs, it's not just the offense and the defense, but special teams, as Viking fans know, looms large. It really does, and Greg's been so huge for them, uh, including obviously that that 61-yarder, and he, he had a game-winner against the Saints. It's easy to forget that way back in October in, in Week 4. Um, he also had big kicks against Washington. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. Uh, the Colts obviously had the overtime winner. Um, he's come up big for them in so many moments, yet overall he's gone through these slumps. He missed nine kicks in a seven-game stretch early in the season. Then he went on to make 20 straight, and now he's missed three of his last 11 going into the playoffs. Um, the Vikings – they say they're confident in him, and publicly that's what you have to say, but you've got to be a little worried that if this game rests on one possession, as so many of them often do, can you fully trust Greg to go out there and do what he did, uh, especially last time he faced the Giants um, from such a long distance? Uh, many of his struggles have come from distance. That's what made that 61-yarder so insane, not just because it's never happened in Vikings history, but with Greg, his previous career long was 56. He's never been known to be the guy drilling these, these long kicks. And he had missed, I think, five or six of them this year from beyond 50 yards. So if it comes down to a kick, everyone's going to be holding their breath, as they always are. Yeah, uh, impressive in pulling out another victory for the Vikings. Injury report has been big. And as we peruse what uh, we saw out of the practice report, on Friday, uh, Harrison Smith, certainly a big name on the defensive side of the ball, listed as questionable. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, he's going to play. Um, I've, okay. I've seen that guy play. He's the only one I've seen play 10 days off a high ankle sprain before, and he's got some knee soreness that kept him out last week, but that was precautionary uh, to get him ready for this week. Uh, I think it was just you know one of those things because he was limited all week in practice. They just listed him questionable, but he should play. Um, the big thing, too, is that they're getting their center back. Garrett Bradbury is expected to play for the first time since December 4th. He's missed the last five games. And that offensive line, as we know, has taken just hit after hit. Brian O'Neill, the starting right tackle, is on injured reserve. 
uh, and Bradbury has been out for so long. So to get another starter back on that offensive line is, is going to be big. Um, last time they faced the Giants, Kirk Cousins got sacked four times, uh, took a lot of other hits as well. So they're, they're going to need that offensive line playing pretty well. And Garrett Bradbury, looking back at this 22 season, is – has got to be a candidate for the Vikings comeback player of the year because his career was really on the ropes and he had a pretty good season. Uh, in spite of the injury you talked about, uh, Bradbury has, has responded very well to the new regime. He has, he has. And, and you don't see that too much from a fourth year um, player. I know offensive linemen take a while to develop sometimes and it's a tough position, but yeah, three years into a first round career, it was, it was a big disappointment. And um, you mentioned comeback player of the year. I think that's a good, that's a good moniker for him for, for this Vikings group, because he was key for them. The, the offensive line stayed together for the first 10 games of the season. It was a large part of why they did so well and got up to such a hot start. Um, and to get at least four of those five starters back is, is going to be huge. And, and he's a free agent. I should mention too, coming up whenever their season ends. Um, I do wonder if he's earned a contract extension just the way he's played. Flip side on the Giants, they come in here confident that they can play with the Vikings. They came up just short of the last time out. And this is a Giants group that comes in based on what I see on their injury report. They are very healthy coming into this game. They are. The, the uh, Giants' secondary, especially the one that Justin Jefferson torched for 12 catches, 133 yards, uh, that's going to be a different group on Sunday. They got their top corner, Adoree Jackson, back. They've got one of their top safeties, Xavier McKinney, back in the lineup. Both of those guys did not play against the Vikings a few weeks ago. Um, that's big because, as we saw last time, they couldn't cover Jefferson. They couldn't cover T.J. Hawkinson, who had 100 yards and two scores in that game as well. And uh, Kirk Cousins throwing for almost 300 yards and three scores was a big, big reason why they won that game. So if the Giants can find a way to slow Jefferson down like the Packers did um, before them, uh, that would go a long way toward, toward an upset at U.S. Bank Stadium. And I would assume that uh, that that is a playbook other teams are going to follow. Uh, get get physical. I, I visited with Shaletta Brundage earlier at the end of her program, and that topic came up. And there's no question the word is out on Justin Jefferson that if you're going to have a chance against the Minnesota Vikings, you're probably not going to be able to 100% stop him, but but to slow him down. And make Kirk Cousins look in other directions is a huge key. It is. It is. And what you need to, and what the Packers had, was the combination of really strong coverage and press physical coverage from their corners and strong pass rush that just didn't give Justin time to defeat it. And that's why that offensive line is so big for the Vikings. If they can give Kirk time, Justin can beat just about any coverage, as we've seen. Um, it's just you got to give Kirk time, and, and at times this season he has not had uh, those very valuable seconds. But uh, it's it's remarkable the way that teams have been able to focus on Jefferson, and that's that's what makes guys like T.J. Hawkinson so valuable. Uh, gives them that true number two option that at times we haven't seen from Adam Thielen um, or K.J. Osborne, who to his credit has come on uh, this season as well. You, you talked about them getting help back on the offensive line. 
uh, depth in the tight end core. Irv Smith Jr. Re- returning. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson's been a, a terrific pickup. You wonder what the Lions were thinking when they parted ways. <laughs> I know, right? Um, they just didn't get too much out of them. I guess they, they do have yeah. a lot of talent over there in Detroit, but they didn't get as much out of them as the Vikings certainly do. And, and Hawkinson's such a big piece because he opens up the middle of the field in a way that, we again, they just weren't getting from their other targets. And Irv Smith coming back is great. But Irv Smith hasn't been physically the same guy that he was last year. And and he's dealt with so many injuries that I think they seem to have taken their toll on the young man. And so Hawkinson comes in healthy, making an immediate impact. He was a top 10 uh, draft pick way back when. And and you can just tell um, talent-wise he's got that pedigree. Well, always good to visit with you, Andrew. Big day tomorrow. Uh, Once again, uh, Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune, a part of their great coverage team, and online at startribune.com. Thanks. Have have a great Saturday evening. You too, Steve. Thanks a lot. All right. Andrew Kramer on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. No surprise in the early game on Wild Card Weekend. Uh, the 49ers dominating Seattle early, 10-0 at Levi's Stadium out in Santa Clara. Late first quarter there. Tonight, Chargers-Jags. Uh, I, I'm in on the Jags. Trevor Lawrence is a fine quarterback. Uh, they have Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl with, with Philly. Uh, they sneak into the playoffs uh, as a number 4 seed, a division champ. I, I like the Jags. At, at home in this one. Then on Sunday, early game, Dolphins-Bills, and then, of course, uh, here, Giants-Vikings, the Sunday night tilt, Ravens-Bengals, and then on Monday, Cowboys-Bucks. Can Tom Brady do it again? I, I would say yes. Um, the The Cowboys have been wildly inconsistent. The, the team that came in here and demolished the Minnesota Vikings – uh, have looked equally bad this year. So, um, Brady, one more time at home uh, on on Monday night, but uh, pretty enjoyable slate wild card weekend in the NFL. But I will say this, and I told our producer Josh Wheeler this: the, those seven seeds um, generally overmatched. I I, I know TV wants. More playoff games, more playoff teams, but uh, I, I'm not exactly sure uh, it adds a whole lot. I don't, I don't think those sevens have have a real good chance to get anything done. We have the news. We have the weather. We'll go outdoors with Steve Carney in a moment. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.